Welcome everyone on Sunday again, Sunday evening. Alhamdulillah, it's a pleasure to see all of you. Uh, the breeze is slowly but surely joining us. Inshallah, it will join us soon. Um, so today is a different program than usual, if you didn't see the announcements. That today is called Remembering Ashura. And uh, we're going to read the, dua, the prayer of the oppressed, uh, which we'll come to in a little bit. <coughs> but first we want to have some reflections on Ashura and reflections on the idea of oppression. And standing up to oppression. And... Um, Probably some other thoughts as well. So, so uh, first and foremost, the day of Ashura, uh, according to those who go by moon sighting, is almost agreed upon to be Thursday. And uh, the, uh, the, the calculations has Ashura falling on Wednesday. And the Prophet wasallam highly encouraged fasting on the day of Ashura. And also indicated that it may be a good thing to fast along with it the day before or the day after and so if one is intending to fast on Ashura and to do the two days then Wednesday and Thursday would be good to do uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has uh, halat when it comes to the day of Ashura if anyone uh, would like to read more I suggest you look in the book Lata'if al-Ma'arif of Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali Rahimahullah Ta'ala if you don't read Arabic you can't look as far as I know, it's not translated, other than small pieces, and I don't think that piece is translated. But nonetheless, it said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. First thing about Ashura is that the Arabs actually, in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they used to fast in Ashura. And uh, there's stories behind it and stuff. But the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, even in Mecca, used to fast on it. And then when he came to Medina, the Jews were fasting on Ashura, and he, when he inquired about that, he was told that they fast on that day because it's a day when Moses and his people were saved from Pharaoh and his army. And uh, so out of gratitude for that gift from God, they fast that day. And so the Prophet wasallam encouraged his followers to fast on that day as well. And so uh, this was a, a practice of the Prophet wasallam and his companions. So the first waqfa, or the first uh, uh, pause for deliberation on the theme of oppression and the day of Ashura comes from the story of Musa salam and Pharaoh. And the story of Mu- Musa and, and Pharaoh is the archetypical story of oppression and the fight against oppression in the Qur'an. Okay, it's, it's repeated in the Qur'an over and over and over and over again for a reason. Because this is the most repeated story in the Qur'an, right? story of Musa alayhi salam but uh, I mean in some ways you could say the story of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the most repeated in the Quran 
because Allah is always talking to the Prophet and even the stories of the previous nations are coming in the context of that we're telling you these stories so that we can make your heart firm Allah tells the Prophet so really the most you know maybe this is not what always people say but the most repeated story in the Quran is the story of the Prophet Muhammad but that aside next most uh, often repeated and directly repeated is the story of Musa salam and Pharaoh and in the story of Moses and Pharaoh there are some interesting things to take note of um, you know one of those is that you have a people so take the lay of the land Moses and his people you have a dominant people the people of Pharaoh and you have a tyrant leader in Pharaoh himself you have Bani Israel the people of Musa salam who are oppressed under this leader to the extent that the sons are killed and the daughters and the mothers are left to fend for themselves right this is the baseline of the story and and yet the leader who is to deliver his people from the oppression of the of the oppressor is from the people but doesn't have exactly the same experiences as the people right like he was supposed to be killed but he wasn't killed he was put into the tub in the box and he went down the river and he grew up in the house of Pharaoh so like his upbringing was not in the same level of oppression actually as his people and eventually you know the story happens he leaves and he goes to the outward city also sometimes like the person who's going to lead his people sometimes they have to leave their people and otherwise they're always like the baby of the people so he leaves his people and he goes to this town and he spends time there and he grows there and he builds his family and he takes care of his family and he comes back to uh, the city and he's called by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to stand in front of Pharaoh and to deliver this message right to worship God to let the people free to stop oppressing them so on and so forth there's many things of course that can be said about the story of Musa but one of them that we should remember I think is that in order to face oppression we cannot do it alone and sometimes the forces of oppression are so great and the systems of oppression in this case especially in the case of Pharaoh and his people are so great that one cannot stand against that by themselves so the idea that I'm going to be like the Lone Ranger cowboy that stands up perhaps and it'll be it that will be it it will be very short-lived and so Musa salam, one of the things to think about is that they say that he made one of the best du'as that anyone ever made for someone else because when Allah tasked him with the mission to speak to Pharaoh he told him he said after his beautiful du'a expand my chest uh, loosen my tongue let them understand my speech make my situation easy for me and then he said and make me and give me a um, a partner in a sense a wazir in this mission of speaking truth to Pharaoh and make it Harun Akhi, Harun my brother and with the dua of Sayyidina Musa for his brother then his brother became a prophet right so Harun also became a prophet and this is like so this is a blessing of a good dua right now he has good company and they're going to stand together they're going to remember Allah a lot and they're going to this is all part of the dua interestingly when 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 Musa first is given this task and he makes this beautiful dua 
Allah tells him things that are really important which is basically he reminds him of his story so Allah tells him you know I'll give you what you asked for and I gave you many things before this as well so he's calling Musa to a type of introspection that yes now you've been given this task and this task is very difficult and you're going to face this hardship but let me tell you something as you're facing this hardship there are other things that came before this and he reminds him when you were a baby, then we threw you and we put you in this thing. We inspired your mother and then your mother came back to you and then you were raised under the house of Pharaoh and so on and so forth. And all of the, and then you killed someone by accident and then you went over there and he tells him his whole life story. And then Allah tells him after all of that, It's a beautiful expression. He says, after all of the story, he says, I manufactured you for me. I manufactured you for me Allah tells Musa so like go go ahead and do this thing that you need to do and he goes on his journey of course he goes to Pharaoh and he tells him what he tells him and he tells him calmly actually interestingly he tells him calmly and he tells him politely one time uh, someone said well, why did he have to tell him anything like he's not going to believe he said this is min bab iqamat al-hujjah every person has their wajib Every person has their responsibility, right? The responsibility of the Prophet is to go to the tyrant and tell him you shouldn't be doing this. Once he's done that, he did his responsibility. He called him. If he accepted, he accepted. If he doesn't accept it, he doesn't accept it. But that's his point, is to call. And then after he makes the call, you know, all of these miracles happen, all of these things happen, so on and so forth. Eventually, Musa and his people, they leave Egypt, right? And you see the progression, not... You see the progression of Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam. This is something to think about, is that even the prophets, they, there's a progression. They say there's a progression even in the prophets and their relationship with God. That every single moment, every single day, every single hour that passes, every single year that passes, even the prophets are elevating in their relationship with God. Like they're already in the highest camp. And then from there, they go higher and higher and higher. Sayyidina Musa salam, in the beginning when he was tasked, he said this beautiful dua, right? Which is a good response. But when they get to the sea, and they're in front of the sea, and the army's behind them, and his people say, Inna la mudrakun, they say, We've been caught, there's no way out. Like, the army's behind us, the sea's in front of us. There's nothing we can do, right? And Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam, he doesn't even, he doesn't even make dua. He says, Kalla inna ma'ya rabbi sayyadin. He says, No, my Lord is with me, he will guide me. No, my Lord is with me, he will guide me. There's no dua, nothing, he's just, <laughs> it's already done. For what do amri in Allah? I turn my affair over to Allah, and Allah sees the servants, right? He turned it over immediately. Allah told him, You know, you know they, he told him, hit the ocean with your stick, and then the ocean split, right? And the people of Pharaoh were drowned. This is an amazing miracle. And what happened after that? They get away and they go to the next land. And what happens? What are these people? People, they, they see the prophet. They witness the prophet. They see the prophet's, the other prophet, the prophet's brother. They see him. They witness him. They live with him. They see what happened with Pharaoh. They see the reminders to Pharaoh. They see the miracles afterwards. They see all of these things. They see the ocean split in front of them. They see their enemies get drowned by the ocean. And they come to the other side. And what do they do? Hmm? Worship a cow. 
They worship a cow. <laughs> the golden calf. They worship not even a cow. Like <laughs> And so what they did, you know. And then Allah ordained for them that they will roam for 40 years and then they will enter the promised land. One of the things that's said sometimes about this roaming is that you had a generation of people who faced an immense amount of oppression. They were oppressed by Pharaoh, their, their sons were killed, their people were slaughtered, their, everything was really bad. And they grew up like that. And oftentimes what happens when a people grow up under oppression is that there's a level of brokenness to them. Sometimes there's external, there's external forces that do that, maybe political powers or whatever. And sometimes we do that to ourselves in our own homes. And of course you see this in the community, right? People who grow up in homes where they're broken by their parents and then they live the life of Bani Israel. They see something and they believe it. And then a few minutes later they see something else and they disbelieve it. And then a few days later they see something and they believe it. And a few moments, they're just going through this all the time because there's a brokenness to them. And uh, and so what was ordained for them was that 40 years will pass in this place, doing nothing. Right? Just stay here. And a new generation of people will grow up and they won't have the same experience. And even though they didn't have the same experience, what did they do? They also did similar things, right? Like they went to fight the army and like, you know, it's a whole hikaya. Anyways, the point is, uh, this is the story of Musa salam and Pharaoh in general. And this is one of the stories. This is the main story from, this, from the Sunnah of the Prophet that inspires the observation of fasting on the day of Ashura. And it is the pinnacle story of oppression and fighting against oppression, standing against oppression, and being delivered. Standing against the oppression and being delivered. And that deliverance might, be, might look different ways. There's narrations that are not very strong that talk about many other things also happening on the day of Ashura. Like, for example, Allah forgiving Adam and Eve, uh, Isa being like taken to the heavens, um, Jonah coming from the mouth of the whale. They say basically, like all these incidents that happen, they say all of these happen on the day of Ashura. Allahu Alam. This is one story. The other story that's central to the day of Ashura is the story of Sayyidina Hussein, radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa karramallahu wajha. Alayhi salam, even for Sunnis, by the way. There are Sunnis who have said about Ahlul Bayt, you can say alayhim salam. About Sayyidah Fatima, about Sayyidina Hussein. Al Bukhari does it in his Sahih collection. He refers to them as alayhi salam. Uh, of course, you say this in a public forum and everyone loses their minds. Because we don't like to think and we don't like to read and we don't like to study, we just like to bandwagon whatever we can. Um, and nonetheless, this is one of the s major stories of the day of Ashura, is the story of Imam al-Husayn radiallahu ta'ala It's probably not, uh, you know, people know that Sayyidina al-Husayn is the grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the son of Sayyida Fatima and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma and of course he also has his brother al-Hasan uh, who died before him and uh, you have also Sayyidah Zainab his sister uh, and others of course but these, these are the you know 
Uh, and about an Hassan and an Hussein, the Prophet said about them that they are Sayyidah Shabab al Jannah. They are the Sayyids of the youth of paradise. So, this is a very high praise, right? And the Prophet said that he, he said directly that he loves them. He called the people to love them. There's, nar- there's a narration, uh, there's, there's narrations that indicate what would happen to him. They're a little bit more disputed. Like, for example, there's a narration where Umm Salama says that she was uh, with an Hussein and, uh, and the Prophet وسلم, was with Sayyidina Jibreel السلام, Can you imagine this? Like, She's narrating the story. She says, I was with an Hussein and the Prophet was with Jibreel, the angel, angel Jibreel. And an Hussein started to cry, so I let him go. And he went to the Prophet وسلم, And when he went to the Prophet وسلم, the Prophet you know, welcomed him and Jibreel told him, uh, do you love him, Muhammad? And the Prophet وسلم, said, yes, I love him. And, and then Jibreel told him, your ummah will kill him. And then he said, and I can show you the land where, he, where they will kill him. And he showed the Prophet وسلم, that land. And there's a lot of narrations about this. Sayyidina Ibn Abbas, anhuma, he said, actually, on the, on the day uh, of Ashura, that he, it said about him that he took a nap and he saw in his dream the Prophet وسلم, and he had a container with blood in it and he asked him what's going on and he said this is the blood of an Hussein I'm collecting it from what happened today and then they heard the news that uh, an Hussein had been killed on that day and Umm Salama herself عنها, she said that she heard on the day of, uh, uh, of Ashura and Karbala she heard the angels screaming and crying when an Hussein was killed, not the angels. I'm sorry, the jinn. She heard the jinn crying, screaming. Uh, so there's many things about this. So they say that Imam Hussein, when he came to Karbala, we're not going to repeat the whole story. Um, if you want to look it up, you can look it up. The um, uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad, who we had the honor of uh, hosting in the Majlis one time, he wrote a poem on the on on the martyrdom of Hussein, Maqtan Hussein. You can find it on the Cambridge Mus- um, Cambridge uh, Mosque website. Uh, so it said about him that when he came to the land of, of Karbala, he asked them, what land is this? And w- when they got to the land, and they told him, this is the land of Karbala. And he said, Karbun wa bala. Karbun wa bala. That it's a difficulty and a trial. It's a difficulty and a trial. So the short of the story of an Hussein is that he um, didn't agree with the allegiance of the Muslim community being given to Yazid. And uh, he was invited to Iraq to be supported in uh, differing with that. And then when he got there, basically, he was betrayed and left by himself by the people of Kufa. And he was left with himself and some members of his family and a few people who joined them, about 70 people against the army. Uh, you know, and uh, basically the army slaughtered them and the only people who lived were like the women and the children and uh, Ali Zain al-Abidin Ali Zain al-Abidin the son of an Hussein who was sick in the tent with the family and uh, Sayyidah Zainab 
it's said that she kind of intervened and stood up and protected him because they came to kill him as well. And she said, basically, if you're going to kill him, you have to kill me first. And he's sick, and you can't touch him. Sayyidah Zainab laha mawqif, yani, in this in this situation. Um, so she she protected him, and and uh, he lived through that. Zain al Abidin, Ali Zain al Abidin. May Allah have mercy on him, and bring good through those who share his namesake. Amin. Um, Sayyidah Zainab and Imam in Egypt and Cairo, the people and the scholars believe that the head of Imam Hussein is buried in Cairo. And Sayyidah Zainab is also buried in Cairo. So uh, when she, after this incident, they exiled her and the other members of the family of the Prophet them in Medina. And, um, and eventually they decided that that wasn't good enough for her because she was too popular. So she had to go somewhere else. So she went to Cairo. And when she went to Cairo, the, it said that the people of Cairo went to the outskirts of the city when they heard that she was coming and they met her on the outskirts of the city and paraded her in. Uh, She's of course the granddaughter of the Prophet and sister of Al-Hassan and Hussein. One of the things that we can think about from this story, it's a different story. Right? The deliverance is different in this case. The deliverance in this case was actually with his death, But his death was, uh, in it was the protection of a principle that lived on after him. Sometimes this is the way that the deliverance occurs. And they say that the, the madhab of Ahmed Bayt, the madhab of the family of the Prophet وسلم, is the madhab of al-khidma uh, al-mahabba, service and love. This is why at the Majlis we talk all the time about love and service. And that this was preserved in the example of Sayyidina Ali Zain al-Abideen radiallahu ta'ala anhu who was a great servant of the people in Medina despite all of the hatred towards him and his family from the Muslims themselves. From the Muslims themselves. And we've talked about that before, some of his situations, you know. Um, but these things are important because what gives flavor to our lives is to realize that the things that we care about, they have to be connected to something bigger. If they're not connected to something bigger, they have no purpose, they have no use. It's very difficult to survive the guilt of them even. You know, I was telling Sheikh uh, al-Muslima today, we were at uh, Mission Bay, with the, some of the family and the kids, and like the kids were playing in the sand. And I couldn't watch the kids playing in the sand without thinking about Gaza. Right? Like, I'm just thinking about like kids playing in the sand in Gaza. And like you go home and you look at the carpet and I like to have, we have carpet like this, I like to have the red one. Because it reminds me of Afghanistan, even though I'm not Afghan, right? But I, I like to have the red one out of love for the people. I don't want to forget it, you know? You want to look at your bookshelves and you think about things. You look at the stuff that you have as a family and it has to, and it has to be something more to it. Otherwise, it's not enough. Like, it's not enough that we just go out to dinner and eat food. It's not enough that we have the nicest couches or the nicest paintings on our walls or great decor in our house or whatever else it might be, the car that we drive. Like, it's not enough in and of itself. There has to be something more. 
And one of the things that we see in that story of Sayyidina Hussein and Sayyidina Ali Zain al Abidin is that there's something more. And that something that's more is not these things. That something that's more is what is the teaching of the Prophet and what is my share in having it and learning it and living it and being part of it in the world. That's all that matters. You know, Despite everything that happened to him and his family, he loved the people deeply. Uh, so I say that one time the and, and the people that used to follow him were the people who were poor and weak. I say he walk around, all the poor people follow him because those are his people. It's not like oh they smell or they don't have this or they didn't work hard. I work so hard, they don't work hard. They don't deserve to follow me. I will It's exactly what Qarun said. If you read the story again of Musa, it's exactly what Qarun said. <laughs> I worked hard for this. Then they, he came out of the masjid one time and someone came up to him and he said this and they started cursing him and cursing him and cursing him. And he looked at him and he said, what you don't know about me is worse than what you think about me. Do you have something that I can help you with? What you think about me is worse, is, is better than, what, like the, what you don't know about me is worse than what you think about me. He's saying all these bad things. Do you have something that I can help you with? This was, this was the way, this was what was left. This is the progeny of an Hussein. Anyone who's Husseini, they passed through him. Because he's the one that survived. So what is it that he survived with? He survived with this, this spirit. Right? The spirit of, I'm going to serve the people. This is the way of my grandfather. They say when, 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 when Ali Zain al-Abidin, when he passed away, that a hundred families from the people of Medina didn't find food on their doorstep the next morning. And they were finding food on their doorstep every morning. They didn't know who it was coming from. And when he passed away, they didn't find it anymore. So they knew, to, they knew that it was coming from him. And when they went to wash his body, they washed his body and they found marks on his shoulders and his back. From Not only was the food coming from him, he was carrying the food himself. The bags of flour and the bags of wheat and everything else, he was putting it on their doorsteps himself. So this is the way of the Prophet This is the way of the family of the Prophet And look at how these people dealt with this oppression I mean is there any worse oppression than an army coming and thinking that they're justified in slaughtering the family of the Prophet Including his grandson Like How and he even, he, 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 he warned them, like he went out to the army and he told them. He said, people, listen, I'm the grandson of the Prophet them. I'm the one that he said about me and my brother, they are Sayyidah Shabab al-Jannah. I'm the one. If you have any dispute, like I'm the one who the Prophet them said that about. Attaqullah, like don't do this, fear Allah. And so a few people came to their side, they were killed with them. A few people took that stand, one person he took that stand, uh, and he, he went to the side of, the, uh, of Sayyidina Hussein. And they said, you're going to go to his side? He said, He's giving me, you guys are giving me a choice between victory and, and defeat or life and death. He's giving me a choice between paradise and hellfire. I don't choose anything over paradise. He went to the side of Hussein. He was killed. So this is the reality of the world, is that there is oppression, there is difficulty, there is hardship. And at various times, we hold various means. But there's a couple of things that I want us to think about. The first of those is that 
when we see these oppressions and we witness these oppressions and we see the stuff that's around us, first and foremost, we should try to, and these are reminders for me, you know, uh, it's really easy to, it's one thing to be able to think of things and put them on a piece of paper, it's a different thing to do them. But uh, the, first, the first thing that we can think about is to renew our tawakkul with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To renew our dependence on Allah. To renew our reliance upon Him. To recognize that no matter what we're doing, before we do it, while we do it, after we do it, we need to turn to God and rely on God. One of the ways to make that part of our lives is when we have a material thing that we're going to do, to ask ourselves, what is the spiritual means that goes along with this material one? So we have a material means. Uh, maybe we're going to apply for a job. So we have to learn about the company and prepare for the interview and get ready for the back and forth and whatever else it might be. That's fine. But what is the spiritual means that we take for that? We make dua, we give some sadaqah, we turn our affair over to Allah, so on and so forth, right? Every single thing, there's a material means that can be taken, there's a spiritual means that can be taken. So if we want to renew our tawakkul, then we can think about what is the spiritual means. Okay, this is point number one. Point number two, especially as it relates to oppression, and it's kind of two points related to each other. One of them is that it's, we have to recognize what is within our control and what is not. We are exposed to more information than any human beings have ever been exposed to in all of human history. And we are suffering as a consequence of it. We're not smarter, we're not more intelligent, we're not better organizers, we're not doing anything better, we just hurt more. Because we're exposed to a lot of things that we wouldn't have been exposed to before. I mean, even if you just think like 70 years ago, if something happens in some place, the extent of your knowledge of it is maybe like a newspaper article that says something's going on in this place. And you're like, oh no, let's make dua for them. That's what you can do, right? Now everyone is confused about what is it that they can actually do because we have all kinds of information that we wouldn't have access to before. And so we have to think about what it is that we can do. That's part of it. That's going to differ for every person. We also have to think about what role do we have to play in oppression? So as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's an external force that raises a people through oppression and, and destroys them and breaks them. Sometimes it's our own families that break us and destroy us, right? So the, um, the question is, what is my role in this oppression? Am I oppressing other people? Am I, uh, how can I change that in my life, right? We do have ways that we do this with our coworkers, with our families, with our friends, so on and so forth. And we have to be honest with ourselves. Um, and we can make the dua, Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan wa zuqin al-tiba'i wa arina al-batila batila wa zuqin al-jtinaba. Oh Allah, show us truth as truth and give us the ability to follow it and show us falsehood as falsehood and give us the ability to stay away from it. Okay. <coughs> Something that I've been reflecting on and I'll probably close with this before we do the dua is that how can I say this properly w 
we have to be committed at some level to the uh, preservation of our community. Uh, like our American Muslim community. And I don't say that to say that we should ignore other things that go on or we shouldn't be aware of things or so on and so forth. But we should take the next step to think about like how is this going to affect our immediate community? Because I'm sure like for example right now there's major things that are going on in the world that I'm sure in this gathering right now you have people who take very different positions on it. And if you were to like get them in a conversation about it they'd probably start fighting. And so what does that mean for us? And what is, you know, so part of that is to, to recognize the importance and the sanctity of a particular community. And what does our community mean? I think, uh, you know, I've been thinking about like, how do you deal with politics in community settings? Because inevitably you deal with politics, you, you take a position, someone's going to be upset with you. So what is, but then do you just take the position? You say, forget about it. You have to take a position. Yeah, I understand. Sometimes you have to take a position. But then what happens to like the people who don't agree with your position? And they have to come listen to your khutbah every single week. And they have to like listen to your lesson. And they come and they're upset about it. They can't go to Jummah anymore without feeling upset. What happens to them? You know? It's a really interesting... It's a question I don't, I don't know the answer to. But I know that we have to figure out what our devotional experience with our religion is going to be as American Muslims. And I think that Muslims in other parts of the world generally have some sort of ha ha handle on this. And people who come from other parts of the world, they have a, a devotionality to their religion that people who are born and raised in America don't usually have. I would go out on a limb and say that. Like, American-born Muslims don't usually have much devotionality to their religion. It's very cerebral. It's very political. It's very organizing and activism-based. But it's like the, a the element of, I just want to worship Allah. And I want to love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I just, I want to know what that feels like. And I want to do that just because it's, that's what it is. Like, I just want to worship God. That, that element is, I, I feel, a lot of times missing, actually, in our community experience. We have to figure out what that's going to look like. Because if we don't figure that out, like, the politics and the organizing is not going to carry the day. Sometimes it's going to be here, sometimes it's going to be there, sometimes it will be right, sometimes it will be wrong, sometimes it will include some people, sometimes it will exclude other people. But it's not going to, like, in the end, like, the person has to have their own religion. We always say that when we went to Egypt, we realized that we had been doing the whole Islam thing like being in the community, being active, giving talks, organizing conferences. This was all before we left. Right? So all of that stuff was like Islam on training wheels. And you get to Egypt and there's no more training wheels. And it's like you're just falling over and over again because you don't have anything. Like without the halaqa and the community and the effort and all of these things. Like, okay, what Islam do I actually have? What is my actual Islam? Like, do I have my own real relationship with God? And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Or do I not And uh, I worry That sometimes we lose sight of that And so uh, I don't uh, I think that there are times and places To have serious conversations I think that they cannot be had Unless people can be level headed And quite frankly I've very rarely seen that I've very rarely seen A serious issue come up 
and you have people who are talking about it in a way because there's too much trauma and there's too much personal stuff going on like it's very tough to have like a real conversation around things because like people's family members are involved their f their their communities are involved their their relatives are involved whatever it might be right so it's like can, but can we talk about it no we can't because we can't have the conversation um, so you know these are just general reflections we want to read this dua uh, if you look on your phone, if you look up the prayer of the oppressed and PDF, you should find the translation of this if you want to follow along. It's on, it's on the Majlis Facebook page. Okay, great. You can find the PDF there. I think it's... Um, people sometimes, they're like... You know, how come you don't comment on this? How come you don't comment on that? How come nobody says anything? There's a lot of answers to that question. Um, we shouldn't make assumptions to it. But uh, this is one of the things, like, this is my comment. <laughs> this is the comment. The gathering is the comment. The reading of the dua is the comment. So look up the prayer of the oppressed PDF. You should find it probably with the Arabic and the English side by side, and it's probably something like 13 pages or 11 pages or nine pages or something like that, if you didn't find it yet. Did you find it? Yeah, okay. Um, Sheikha, do you have anything to add? Mulana, do you have anything to add? Alhamdulillah, finished the youth program, so you had to make dua. Alhamdulillah, you made it out alive. All right. Um, for everyone's critique of Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, may Allah preserve him, his introduction in here on the nature of oppression and stuff is actually very interesting. So if you get the book and you read it, uh, I think that would be a good thing. As you already know, I don't have the best voice, nor, nor do I have the best melody. Uh, I'm given motivation by having seen someone much better than me host a gathering of reading this text and not beautify it in any way. Because we're not reading it for the beautification, we're reading it for the dua itself. Okay. So as, as we always said before, whenever we do acts of worship, especially if we do an act of worship like this, we can make intention for whatever it is we want to make intention for. So we can make intention for the people of Afghanistan, we can make intention for the people of Lebanon, we can make intention for the people of Palestine and uh, Muslim minorities in India and whatever else it might be. There's, uh, I don't like to say anything anymore because anytime you say anything, then someone gets mad at you and they say, well, how come you said this and you don't say that? It's like, how come you only mentioned Muhammad? Why didn't you mention Isa? And what are you going to do? I mean, every, every time the list becomes like 76 countries 
and then you miss one, and they're like, how can we miss this one? We have to be more merciful with each other. It's too much. So fill in the blank with whatever oppressed people you have, whatever issue you have, whatever it might be, fill in the blank, make intention that Allah helps them. Okay. I'm going to read the English first. So, because I want us to be able to reflect upon it as we read the Arabic. Okay, so try to focus and try to think about uh, what's being said. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. O you whose mercy is a refuge for all those in dire need who flee to you to lose their woes. O master of reprieve whose pardon is so near. You answer all in need, they know that you do hear. We beg for your relief, redeemer of the weak. You are enough for us, both humbled and so meek. No strength can ever match your awesome majesty. No might can ever breach your just authority. The kings all bow like us to your great sovereignty. Sovereignty. You choose whom to abase or raise decisively. Calamities we face are only stopped by you. It's in your hands they are dissolved within your view. For solace in these states we turn to you alone, complaining that we cannot make it on our own. Be merciful with us, you know our frailty. O you whose mercy falls like rain unceasingly. Please look upon us now in all our misery, our state as souls oppressed displayed so openly. Our numbers are reduced, our former wealth effaced, our once exalted rank and high repute abased. They think us without strength and deem us without power. Our numbers in their eyes seem easy to devour. O you whose mighty kingdom never becomes less, we hope to take asylum in divine largesse. Haven of the helpless, upon you we depend. Helper of the hapless, we trust in your God send. You are the one we call, relieve our heavy loads. Repel our life's travails, abolish what corrodes. Your protection alone, your providence, that's true. The door is yours alone that everything comes through. You are the only one whose bounteous door we seek. Most generous of givers, O Lord, you are unique. You bring us to the path should we all go astray and overlook our slips when we lose our way. All created things you hold in your embrace, with mercy and with light, the compass of your grace. Nothing in existence is able to compare with just how base we are in mortality's affair. O infinite in beauty, whose endless good befalls the creatures you have made, so answer all our calls. You alone save drowning souls, so gracious with our states, rescuing the doomed, relieving our dire straits. Constriction is increasing, there is no cure in sight. So hasten to our knees, respond to set them right. Our hands are raised to you, our palms are wide open. We seek sincerely endless grace you do provide. Be gentle with our souls and all you have decreed. Bestow on us what pleases you and what we need. Replace our state of hardship with your gentle ease and guide us with your power's prevailing breeze. And place our status over those who took our lands. Constrain their evil now and tightly bind their hands. Overcome our foes with your subduing might. Unravel all their hopes and force them to take flight. Deter their evil aims and dash their unjust plan. Repel them from our gates and mystify each man. Be swift in justice, Lord, in this our anxious hour, for they cannot remove an atom of your power. O Lord, by holding on to your most gracious rope, we bind it to our faith and nod it to our hope. We stand, so stand for us today, don't counter what we try. Forsake us not, O Lord, the blinking of an eye. We're powerless to stop this onslaught of their force or strategize to benefit our country's course. We seek no good except what flows from your wide door and yearn for grace that comes from your unending more. 
All thoughts within our hearts will find serenity through God who fashions all by saying only be. O Lord, by you alone we will achieve our end. By you, through you, your means to you, our only friend. Sustainer of us all, O towering support. O our Lord who grants us all defense within his fort. Secure our hearts within your glorious defense in restless journeys far or in our residence. Protect our herds, preserve our crops, increase our gains, and give and bless our commerce with approving rains. Fill our land with good prosperity, release our citizens from dire poverty. Establish righteous rule while granting noble station with high respect and dignity in every nation. Hide its natural strength and guard its secret trust and veil its protection in a graceful, gracious mist. By the sacred sounds of Sa'd and Qaf and Holy Noon, a thousand veils enfolding to protect our land from ruin. By the rank of all the light from this your noble face and sacred estimation of your vast dominion space, by the elevated rank of there is no God but God, and your bestowed chosen one who lived in purity odd, by the rank of every prophet who ever called on you, by the rank of every saint who ever sought from you, by the rank of humanity's blessed pole and pillars too, all solitary saints and inspired words from you, by the rank of those select and pious overseers, chosen spiritual substitutes for those departing here, by the rank of faithful devotees who live in dignity, who praise their God in gratitude for his decree, by the rank of everyone you raise to noble heights, among those you conceal or those you bring to light, by the rank of every sign in your book's revelation and the greatest name concealed in veiled occultation. Lord, we stand before you now, bereft without you, lost, without design or strategy, by every tempest tossed. We call on you with prayers of those who are infused with knowledge that their Lord is one who won't refuse. Accept this prayer, O Lord, with nothing but your grace. Remove all just deserts and show us mercy's face. Reveal to us your gifts, bestow on us your favor, with kindness that befits a gentle, clement Savior. Envelop us, uh, envelop us O Lord, within your mercy's sea, and rain on us your grace that falls abundantly. From all our words and deeds, choose, that, choose those that remain, the highest and the best, so heaven is our gain. O plenitude, fill our lives and hearts with pure devotion and perfect harmony with your prophet's generous ocean and bring to focus all our aims into a single goal, complete and blissful knowledge of you within our soul. Let us always act, Lord, in accord with Ahmed's way, directing all our hopes to a joyful judgment day. Always lead us, Lord, to what is right and true, the path real martyrs take and those who gaze on you. Raise our children up as brave and pious scholars who base their days on your sweet light as true exemplars and unify the hearts of family and of friends, facilitate for us in making our amends. O Lord, bestow a clear, decisive victory on all who aid this way and restore its dignity. Possessor of great might, aid him and those who serve and fill their hearts with aspirations they deserve. Aid us in the light of this Muhammad's way and make its glorious end as bright as its first day. Protect it through the works of its faithful and true scholars and elevate its lights to its rightful radiant colors. Pardon and forgive us and keep us safe from ill and all submitted ones who seek to know your will. Bestow your lordly solace on the perfect chosen one, your plenitudinous grace upon his dazzling sun. Bestow on him a peace that befits his holy stature in accordance with the pure nobility of his nature and on his noble family down the ages everyone companions, followers, every daughter, every son. Praise belongs to God alone. With a praise so direct, all praising seekers find their goal among the elect. Now about the Arabic. The Arabic is very beautiful.
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Resulullah. Ya men ila rahmatihi al-mafarru wa men ilayhi yalja'ul muttarru wa ya qaribul afwi ya mawlahu wa ya mughitha kulli man da'ahu bika istaghatna ya mughitha du'afa fahasbuna ya rabbi anta wa kafa fala ajalla min azimi qudratik wa la a'azza min azizi satwatik لِعِزِّ مُلْكِكَ الْمُلُوكُ تَخْضَعُ تَخْفِضُ قَدْرَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَرْفَعُ وَالْأَمْرُ كُلُّهُ إِلَيْكَ رَدُّهُ وَبِيَدَيْكَ حَلُّهُ وَعَقْدُهُ وَقَدْ رَفَعْنَا أَمْرَنَا إِلَيْكَ وَقَدْ شَكَوْنَا ضَعْفَنَا عَلَيْكَ فَارْحَمْنَا يَا مَنْ لَا يَزَالُ عَالِمًا بِضَعْفِنَا وَلَا يَزَالُ رَاحِمًا انْظُرْ إِلَى مَنْ مَسَّنَا مِنَ الْوَرَى فَحَالُنَا مِنْ بَيْنِهِمْ كَمَا تَرَى قَدْ قَلَّ جَمْعُنَا وَقَلَّ وَفْرُنَا وَانْحَطَّ مَا بَيْنَ الْجُمُوعِ قَدْرُنَا وَاسْتَضْعَفُونَا شَوْكَةً وَشِدَّةً وَاسْتَنْقَصُونَا عُدَّةً وَعِدَّةً فَنَحْنُ يَا مَنْ مُلْكُهُ لَا يُسْلَابُ لُذْنَ بِجَاهِكَ الَّذِي لَا يُغْلَبُ إِلَيْكَ يَا غَوْثَ الْفَقِيرِ نَسْتَنِدْ عَلَيْكَ يَا كَافِ الضَّعِيفِ نَعْتَمِدْ أَنْتَ الَّذِي نَدْعُو لِكَشْفِ الْغَمَرَاتِ أَنْتَ الَّذِي نَرْجُو لِدَفْعِ الْحَسَرَاتِ أَنْتَ الْعِنَايَةُ الَّتِي لَا نَرْتَجِي حِمَايَةً مِنْ غَيْرِ بَابِهَا تَجِي أَنْتَ الَّذِي نَسْعَى بِبَابِ فَضْلِهِ أكرم من أغناب فيض نيله أنت الذي تهدي إذا ضللنا أنت الذي تعفو إذا زللنا وسعت كل ما خلقت علما ورأفة ورحمة وحلما وليس منا في الوجود أحقر ولا لما عند من أفقر يا واسع الإحسان يا من خيره عم الورى ولا ينادى غيره يا منقذا غرقا ويا حنان يا منجيا هلك ويا منان ضاق النتاق يا سميع يا مجيب عز الدواء يا سريع يا قريب وقد مددنا ربنا الأكوفة ومنك ربنا رجونا اللطفة فالتف بنا فيما به قضيت وردنا بما به رضيت وأبدل اللهم حال العسر باليسر وامددنا بريح النصر وجعلنا على البغاة غلبا واقصر عذال شر على من طلبا وقر عدانا يا عزيز قاهرا يفسم, يفسم حبلهم ويصمد ظاهرا وأعكس مرادهم وخيب سعياهم وهزم جيوشهم وأفسد رأيهم وعجل اللهم فيهم نقمتك فإنهم لا يعجزون قدرتك يا ربي يا ربي بحبل عسماتك قد اعتصمنا وبعز نصرتك فكلنا ولا تكن علينا ولا تكلنا طرفة إلينا فما أتقنا قوة للدافع ولا استطعنا حيلة للنافع وما قصدنا غير بابك الكريم وما رجونا غير فضلك العميم فما رجت من خيرك الذنون بنفس ما تقول كن يكون يا ربي يا ربي بك التوصل لما لديك وبك التوسل يا ربي أنت ركننا الرفيع يا ربي أنت حسننا المنيع يا ربي يا ربي أننا الأمن إذا ارتحنا وإذا أقمنا يا ربي واحفظ زرعنا وضرعنا واحفظ تجارنا ووفر جمعنا وجعل بلادنا بلاد الدين وراحة المحتاج والمسكين وجعلها بين البلاد صولا وحرمة ومنعة ودولا وجعل من السر المصون عزها وجعل من السطر الجميل 
إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغتوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل 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 استغفر الله العظيم 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 لا إله إلا الله الملك حق مبين 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 لا إله لا إله إلا الله الملك حق مبين لا إله إلا الله الملك حق مبين لا إله إلا الله الملك حق مبين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أنت الهادي أنت الحق ليس الهادي إلا الله 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 اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. Anything you like to say? No. Thinking any. Uh,
in any situation, regardless of the different opinions that people might have, we can always say that we want to be on the side of those who are oppressed. And we can always make dua for those who are in need, for those who have been displaced, for those who are hungry, for those who are without shelter, those who are facing uh, discrimination or harm. May we always find ourselves with them. And may we never be on the receiving end of their dua. And uh, you know, may Allah be with all of those who are suffering. And may He uh, help us to rectify our conditions and to be sources of helping to rectify the conditions of others insofar as we can. And may He give us the wisdom to be able to see that and understand that and to know what it is that we should do. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to find a level of devotion and love for our Lord and for our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And may He help us to remember uh, the spirit of the day of Ashura and to celebrate the victories and deliberation deliverances of the day of Ashura and to mourn the losses of the day of Ashura. Allahumma ameen. Sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wa la asr inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa alladhina amanu wa amini al-salihat. وتواصل بالحق وتواصل بالصبر جزاكم الله خيرا إن شاء الله next week we will finish the burda yeah I need do you want to give details Saturday 6 o'clock here there's a fundraiser for uh, is it for something in particular I know generally but is does anyone want to say do you want to say I don't know the details of what you. It's not going to reach that. Far. No, I don't. Um, just uh, wanted to announce also uh, this.